Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with Nicole McKellar, Manager of Market Development for Grain Farmers of Ontario, as we continue to mark our organization's 10th anniversary. And I will check in with Marcus Hurl, Chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario's Board of Directors, for an update on some of our recent government relations work. First, a Grain Talk news update. Atlantic Grains Council, Grain Farmers of Ontario, and Producteurs de Grands de Quebec have launched a joint campaign to raise awareness with the public of the devastating consequences for all Canadians, because many Canadian grain farmers literally will go out of business. They can no longer compete with U.S. farmers. Grain and oilseed farmers in eastern Canada are unable to compete with the over $32 billion in direct subsidies that Donald Trump is providing U.S. farmers. Farmers from across Canada have been asking the federal government to step in to provide more funding to the Agri-Stability Business Risk Management Program that was cut by the Conservative government in 2012. The Trudeau government promised to address the Business Risk Management Program in the last election campaign. Our campaign will be running on the radio and on digital platforms across Atlantic Canada, Ontario and Quebec. The Agri-Stability Program only triggers a payment when it is needed and gives farmers the security they need to run their farm businesses when faced with political situations outside of their control. Farmers need to be able to cover the cost of production, or many of them will not be able to survive much longer. Grain Farmers of Ontario has deep concerns about the current clean fuel standard proposed by the Canadian government. It is opposed to the criteria for land use and asks for transparency around carbon numbers and any certification processes. The standard currently contains restrictions on land use, which will discourage farmers from planting and growing biofuel crops. The restrictions do not take into account the sustainability efforts that farmers already take or the competitive advantage that will now benefit other countries selling corn and soybeans into Canada for biofuels. Over the last 30 years, grain farmers have increased land use efficiency by 39% and reduced their climate impact by 45% in corn production alone. Any regulations that make harder for farmers to produce crops for domestic biofuels are actually detrimental to the goals of the clean field standard. Marcus Hurl will talk more about the clean field standard and the BRM partnership campaign later in the podcast. Ontario virtual diagnostic days continue to be posted on realagriculture.com. Six videos have been posted so far and a new one hour episode will be posted every two weeks until October 21st. The Ontario Virtual Diagnostic Days combines the traditionally in-person Southwest Crop Diagnostic Day, Allura Crop Diagnostic Day, and Eastern Ontario Crop Diagnostic Day in Winchester into a new provincial diagnostic video series. Spare applications, soil management, and controlling herbicide-resistant weeds are among the topics that have been covered so far. Grain Farmers of Ontario is a sponsor of the virtual event. And now, here's my conversation with Nicole McKellar. Welcome to another episode of Green Talk. Today on the podcast, we have Nicole McKellar, the Manager of Market Development with us today. Hi, Nicole. Thank you for coming today. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so you've been with Grain Farmers for quite a while. Uh, do you think you can kind of talk about how long you've been here and what your role is and what exactly your day-to-day is like? 
So I currently work as the manager market development for Grain Farmers of Ontario. So I oversee all of our market development and sustainability initiatives. And I have been with the organization now for nine and a half years. So um, yeah, so <laughs> for quite some time now. Wow. So um, what what exactly is like, could you give me a high level, high level overview of what market development is and why it's important to Green Farmers of Ontario. So within market development, what we are trying to achieve is creating new market opportunities for our members. And so there's four areas that we really work in to, to try and do that. Um, so the first is in domestic market expansion and retention. So really trying to develop new markets here domestically in Ontario and Canada international market retention and expansion. So really looking at what those export opportunities are sustainability. And then as well as market access, ensuring that our members have open and free access to markets. And really why this is important is that without markets, our farmers, you know, don't have the ability to sell their crops into those. And so, you know, it's it's really what allows them to help bring value back to their operations. So we try and create new uh, new market opportunities for them that hopefully will, you know, uh, bring back uh, not only uh, value, but added value into their into their operations. Interesting. Um, so this interview kind of is is more so about our 10 year anniversary, along with the article that's going in the magazine. So over your past nine years of being here, how has market development changed for you and as a whole since Grain Farmers of Ontario started? Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of a lot of changes that have occurred over the past 10 years. Um, you know, as primarily commodity grain producers, um, we are subject to a lot of the volatility that happens in world markets and with world trade. And this has probably been really ev evident in the last couple of years uh, with the trade tensions that have occurred between the United States and China, as well as Canada and China and the impacts that that's had um, on ourselves. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, we, we've seen, uh, you know, some negative aspects uh, uh, to that uh, over the past uh, 10, uh, 10 years. But we've also seen a lot of positives, um, and, and a lot of these have come through the signing of free trade agreements. Um, so Canada has had a very aggressive uh, free trade agreement uh, agenda for the last several years. It's led to the signing um, of a number of agreements. A couple of those are the Canada-South Korea free trade agreement, which has opened up new opportunities for us for food-grade soybeans. We also saw the Canadian uh, Economic Trade uh, Agreement signed with the European Union, or CETA, which has opened up some new opportunities for us on, on corn exports. Um, and then the other thing that we've really seen um, that's changed over the past 10 years is there's a, a lot more interest by consumers now on wanting to buy local, support local, and consume local products. And so through that, it's created some new market opportunities for us on the domestic uh, side, working with food retailers and food manufacturers to help them better tell their story um, of the gr Ontario grains that they're using in, in their products. Wow, so that's that's a lot. Are there any uh, free trade agreements, I guess, just off the top of your head that you can think of that um, you weren't expecting to see happen or kind of surprise you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we, we have seen Canada take a very aggressive approach to to free trade agreements. Um, uh, you know, there's still several that are, are still underway. So there's the uh, CPTPP, uh, which is the agreement uh, between Canada and I believe it's 11 uh, other countries uh, right now, most mostly uh, kind of Asia Pacific uh, countries, which, um, you know, could open up some new opportunities for us as well. We've seen um, uh, the new NAFTA or uh, uh, the USMCA uh, agreement that was uh, just uh, just ratified on July 1st of this year. Uh, obviously, the United States is is uh, a very, very big uh, trading partner for us. So it was great to see those uh, those trade agreements uh, come in place. Um, you know, we are uh, very much in favor of, of free trade. Um, you know, we we recognize the opportunities that it presents on on the export uh, side. So uh, it has been great to see so many of them uh, signed and, and then a number of them, um, you know, continuing on in the negotiation process, which hopefully, you know, will be ratified in, in the not too uh, distant future. What are you what are your thoughts on or how do you think technology has changed the way that things are done within the market development landscape, sustainability and that kind of realm? Technology's played such an incredible role, uh, you know, in the agriculture sector as a whole. Um, I think, you know, we see this uh, primarily uh, on uh, kind of uh, the direct field level through, you know, the adoption of, of, of precision agriculture. But, it, you know, it really has had an impact across the entire value chain. And for us in market development, um, you know, really one of the biggest areas where it's impacted us is on our export development initiatives. Um, we do not have the resources to be able to be in key export uh, countries on a day in and day out uh, basis. And so we really rely on technology, whether it be uh, virtual platforms, um, whether it be through email, um, whether it be uh, through um, you know, webinars or that type of thing. Uh, we really rely on technology to be able to connect with our end users in those key countries uh, throughout the year. Um, and this has really allowed us to establish better relationships with those end users, you know, that allow us to better understand what it is that they're looking for, but also at the same time, allow us to share our story of what we're doing here uh, with Ontario Grains and why Ontario Grains would be, uh, you know, very suitable for the products that they're they're producing. Just kind of with that ending part of like why people should care about Ontario grains and where they're being produced. So have has that always been a priority for market development or is that kind of just like shifted into the focus now with what's going on with the current world landscape and the pandemic and everything like that? So we've always had a focus on on international market development. Um, you know, we recognize that we produce more grains here in Ontario that than we can um, really you know consume domestically, and so we really do rely on those export uh, uh, markets to to provide additional marketing opportunities for for our members. And so, um, you know, throughout throughout my time at at at, at uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario, and and I know even you know prior to to myself joining, um, we've always had a focus on really sharing that story of. Ontario grains in, in those international markets. What I think has changed a bit over the past 10 years is just um, our, our, you know, our, our, the technology that we can use in order to do that. And so, you know, with new uh, virtual platforms being developed, with new interactive tools being uh, uh, developed, it really allows us to, to have more engagement with our end users than maybe we, we previously could have um, and really just help to solidify those relationships uh, with those end use customers, which is really critical uh, uh, any time that you're trying to develop a, a new market.
What projects have you seen kind of turn into bigger projects over the past couple or the past 10 years per se? Like are there, has new projects come up um, or has the Greens Innovation Fund gotten bigger? Can, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, we've had a couple of um, a couple of really you know kind of interesting initiatives that have that have happened over the past uh, uh, ten years that you know really tie into to that overall objective of ours of of trying to develop new marketing opportunities. Um, the first one that you know that really comes to mind is is back in two thousand and sixteen, we formed a joint venture with SGS Canada. Um, for those that don't uh, know SGS, uh, they're one of the leading uh, testing and inspecting uh, organizations uh, in in the world. And we came together with them to form the Grains Analytical Testing Laboratory. And this is a full analytical testing uh, facility for wheat, uh, which conducts a, a number of different uh, uh, quality tests that allows us the opportunity to better share information on Ontario wheat uh, with our end users. This was an area that Grain Farmers of Ontario had been looking at for a number of years. Um, we had identified it as, as a bit of a gap. There was no um, testing facility available really in Ontario or Eastern Canada that could do this work. And we really saw it as an opportunity. And so it was great to come together with, with SGS to form this joint venture. Um, and uh, since that time, we've been able to uh, use the information that comes out of the Grains Lab to uh, you know, better enhance our relationships, not only with um, the millers uh, here in Ontario, but as well as with a number of uh, key end users that are using Ontario wheat and Ontario wheat flour. Does that kind of lead us into the Grains Innovation Fund? Because I, I know that now you're accepting new proposals. So could you tell me a little bit about that, that itself and why that's so important to grain farmers? So our joint venture with with SGS Canada is is um, a separate initiative outside of our our our, our grains innovation um, uh, fund. But you are correct. We we just recently, just last week, launched uh, launched the grains innovation fund. So this is a funding program that uh, was developed actually uh, even prior to Grain Farmers of Ontario. It was developed uh, through the Ontario Wheat Marketing Producer Board, and then um, slightly modified uh, when uh, the amalgamation occurred and and we became Grain Farmers of Ontario. But the program really was developed to partner with companies and organizations that are developing new or reformulated products or processes that will help drive the utilization of Ontario grain and grain residue. And so we work with companies from uh, uh, you know a, a wide variety of sectors, whether it be the food sector, uh, the bioeconomy um, uh, uh, sector, um, and uh, you know work with them to help provide funding to new and you know innovative project ideas that will ultimately lead to driving the utilization of Ontario grain. Um, so we've had quite a number of successes over the, the past number of years. We've given out uh, over $1.2 million in funding uh, to over uh, 45 uh, uh, different uh, different uh, companies. The program continues to grow uh, each year, and we're really looking forward to uh, the applications that will be submitted for this year's program. So has that Grains Innovation Fund changed over the past 10 years or, or since you've been on the market development team or has it kind of been pretty much the same? So the foundation for the Grains Innovation Fund has has really remained the same, which really is you know uh, a program that's that's in place to uh, you know not only help companies with their innovative project ideas, but ultimately really help drive uh, the utilization of Ontario grain. 
how the program is delivered and um, the criteria within the program has has changed a little bit over the years. And that's really just as a reflection, uh, you know, as as we go through the program um, uh, each year, we do an evaluation uh, to determine, you know, what has worked, what hasn't worked. Um, so some of the things um, uh, that uh, uh, we have um, changed. Um, we uh, uh, do now ask for a minimum requirement of uh, 40 metric tons of, of grain to be used. Um, it doesn't exclude companies that um, are using less than 40 metric tons, but what we really, you know, ask for them is to indicate how they would they would uh, achieve up to 40 metric tons. And that's really just to ensure that uh, the projects we're providing funding to uh, have impact on, on our entire membership. And so uh, we know that that's really done Done through um, you know larger volumes of grain being used, and so uh, we've we've really targeted um, the program to to um, you know try and attract those larger scale projects that that would would use a uh, you know a much higher volume of uh, of grain. Mm -hmm. And are there any projects over the past ten years that you've found that have kind of stood out to you or? So there's one, yeah, there's one one project in particular that, um, you know, really, uh, you know, we kind of always uh, use uh, as a sort of a, an example of a marquee project. And and that's the work that we've done with uh, Griffith Food. Um, and so uh, everybody might not have heard of Griffith Food, um, but they are the leading uh, breading and coating company in Canada. Um, if you haven't heard of uh, them as a company, you've probably heard of or eaten at uh, a lot of the food establishments that uh, use their use their products. And so um, we have worked with them um, for the past six or seven years um, to have them switch from primarily using um, uh, predominantly Western Canadian wheat to now using predominantly uh, Ontario wheat. And so it was through the funding through the Grains Innovation Fund that allowed them to um, uh, retrofit some of their processes and um, the equipment that they use to be more suitable to uh, Ontario wheat. So um, they've been a real success story and and we've you know enjoyed working with them over over the last number of years that's really cool i had no idea that that was one of the big ones um cool. um so another question kind of moving back to the 10-year anniversary where do you see market development going in the next year and then within the next five years and then even looking forward to like the next 10 years I think you know if anything, the last couple of years have 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 taught us in the volatility uh, that we really have seen on on the market side is is just how critical it is to have well established markets in in place and and also uh, how critical it is to have um, you know diversity within within those markets and so you know over the next five to ten years um, I, I really see that that is where we will uh, put a lot of emphasis. I think uh, we will see a lot more opportunity on the domestic food sector. Um, we're actually working on a couple of initiatives right uh, right now to uh, uh, to launch within within that uh, uh, group. But I, I do think that we'll continue to see this interest by consumers to want to buy local and support local. And so, you know, finding ways to continue to to leverage that and and be able to highlight on Ontario grain. I think there's also some really great opportunities for Ontario. Uh, you know, looking at uh, niche market opportunities, um, we're known around the world for growing some of the highest quality food grade soybeans. Um, this is really because of of the dedication and commitment, uh, you know, farmers make to growing the crop, but also our value chain partners take in, in processing that. And so, uh, you know, is there opportunities to to take that model and, and potentially, uh, you know, look at other uh, uh, niche or value added crops that uh, may may be available? 
I think the other big thing that, uh, you know, will be coming up in the next five to 10 years um, will be around the biofuel sector as well. Um, we're going through right now uh, a new proposed uh, federal regulation in regards to biofuels. It's called the Clean Fuels Standard. Uh, we're doing a, an incredible amount of work on, on that uh, to ensure that uh, ethanol can remain a viable market uh, for our, our farmers uh, uh, moving, moving forward. And then I think the other area that um, will really provide a lot of opportunity um, is, is around carbon and climate change. You know, I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there around the role that uh, farming and particularly grain farming can play uh, in regards to, to climate change and, and carbon. And so I think there's a real opportunity for us to continue to share our, our story and, and the good practices that our farmers are, are doing that are going to help Canada, uh, uh, you know, be able to meet uh, our, our climate and carbon, uh, you know, commitments that uh, that we've made. So, in the past couple of ten years, are there any major achievements that you've seen um, market development here kind of, I guess, achieve or be able to tackle? So we've been able to um, uh, have a number of really great initiatives that uh, that have occurred over over the past uh, ten years. Uh, you previously heard me mention um, our joint venture with SGS Canada and, and the Grains uh, Analytical Testing uh, uh, Laboratory. We were also uh, very involved in the development of Soy Canada, which is a national value chain organization for soybeans. We recognize the need to have a national voice uh, on on the soybean side of uh, of things, not only uh, you know to our government but also to our international uh, markets. So was very involved in in, in the development of that. Um, we've really become a leader in grain sustainability development, um, not only here in Ontario, uh, Canada, but around the world as uh, as well. And, and really have been recognized by that. We're involved in a number of uh, global sustainability um, initiatives, um, uh, most specifically the uh, uh, Sustainable Agriculture Initiative or, or SAI. Um, uh, our colleague, uh, uh, Mike Buttonham, uh, does a great job uh, really providing a farmer voice in, into a lot of those discussions. Uh, most of them uh, involve a lot of food and, and beverage companies and, and oftentimes the farmer voice is, is missed and so uh, it's great to have him involved in those and, and really bringing that farmer perspective. We've also been uh, very involved in international trade missions. Um, when I when I think back kind of over the last 10 years, um, we're probably uh, up over 40 international trade missions that we've either um, uh, led ourselves or have participated in, whether it be ministerial trade missions that are put on by either our provincial or federal government uh, or uh, uh, missions that are put on by our industry uh, uh, trade partners, you know, which really have helped to elevate uh, Ontario grain on, on a, world, uh, a world stage. Tying into the whole kind of local local aspect that I was talking about, um, we have done a partnership uh, with Gordon Food Service, uh, who is uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, food service companies here in in Canada. Uh, we did a project with them along with a number of other commodity organizations, uh, really looking at how can we raise the profile of local ingredients uh, to their customers uh, and and suppliers. So, um, you know, when you look back over the ten past ten years, it's 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 pretty incredible to think of of the work that's been achieved, and you know that's really because of of you know the staff that we've got within uh, the market development department, but within all of Grain Farmers Ontario, as well as our industry partners who we rely on quite uh, quite heavily for a lot of the work that we do. Um, do you, are there any I guess 
trade missions that you kind of went that you went on or planned or worked with that kind of stand out in your mind that were you know most memorable in the past? I've been really fortunate to be to be involved in a number uh, a number of uh, 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 trade missions, uh, and you know they're they're an amazing opportunity to uh, not only be able to meet with end users, uh, you know, in 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 person, but also to just get a better understanding of um, you know the culture uh, uh, in in those countries, and and really you know a better understanding of of what consumers are looking for and and end users. Um, but one program that I think um, uh, you know uh, we're, we're probably uh, the most proud of is is kind of a new program that we tried for the very first time last year. Uh, this was an incoming program that we did, so it was where we brought uh, guests uh, into Ontario, um, and we actually brought in seven journalists um, from the European Union. So they represented Ireland, United Kingdom, Spain, and the, and the Netherlands. And really the objective was this program was to highlight um, the commitment that Ontario grain farmers have to sustainability and the sustainable agricultural practices that they're doing on their farms uh, uh, every given day. And our goal with the program was to have um, these respected journalists um, in each of their countries go back and help share our story for us. And so um, we had them uh, come to Ontario in, in July of, of last year. Uh, they were here for three or four days with us. Uh, we took them on a, a number of different farm visits where they got to see, um, you know, not only how uh, technology is playing a role um, on the farm, uh, but as well as things uh, like uh, cover crops crops, uh, you know, how they're playing into sustainable practices uh, as well. And the result from that uh, was that we had um, over 50 uh, different uh, articles and publications that came out in each of those respective countries, talking about what each of the journalists had learned, uh, as well as really highlighting the great practices that uh, Ontario farmers are doing. And so uh, it was really great to, to, to see that and, and, and the success that came from that. Um, it was the first time we had done something like that, so we, we weren't quite sure what to expect and, uh, and uh, were really pleasantly surprised to just see how much exposure it brought to us. I, I remember looking at those clips and seeing everything like that and it looked like it was a great time and the articles that I got to read after that they were fantastic. Um, so Nicole just want to wrap this up by saying thank you for participating today um, and kind of giving us a, an overview of market development and what that's been like for the past 10 years. No thanks for having us. Joining me on the podcast this week is Marcus Hurl, the Chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario. Thanks for joining us today, Marcus. Oh, my pleasure. Now, it was just about two weeks ago when we had our annual general meeting, and for the first time it was a virtual event, but it turned out to be a great success. What's some of the feedback that you've had about the AGM, and what was your impression of the day? Well, first of all, I think it would be appropriate to thank all the members and uh, the delegates that joined the uh, AGM as it was an experience for all of us from uh, directors to staff and uh, delegates of how this is all going to work on the virtual platform. I think uh, we all have to be very satisfied the way it ended up. Um, it uh, created a lot of um, more discussion, I think, afterwards of how we maybe have to improve for furthering some of those uh, platforms that we use to reach our farmer members. But uh, in a general sense, we are very satisfied because we had roughly about 100, 110 
participants that were online at all time, which uh, which is great. And um, the uh, the main discussions basically came forward through the uh, uh, the process of uh, resolutions. And uh, as we didn't have a semi-annual meeting this year, we asked everybody from the district that had resolutions from uh, back in March to review them and see if they were still addressing their need and uh, rebring them forward, which a lot of the districts did. And um, it uh, at least gives the board of directors uh, a bit more guidance of where the challenges and concerns are in the uh, district levels uh, across the province that uh, we can take this information and integrate it into our outreach and uh, where we have to put uh, some more emphasis behind it. So we've, um, uh, it's been a good process, even though it was virtual, uh, I think uh, farmers still could voice themselves on the uh, resolution process. Uh, we're looking forward of uh, fine fine tuning some of it and uh, seeing how it's going to go for the uh, for the future. But um, the new things up and coming are certainly never forgotten, um, as uh, the BRM discussion is still in the forefront. Uh, we've seen it again through the um, uh, resolution process. Uh, now the new topic of the day is the uh, clean fuel standard. Uh, that's also one that we need to uh, put a lot of work behind. And uh, I think moving forward, uh, still the research mark development are great parts that uh, Green Forest Ontario has always taken serious and uh, uh, putting a lot of initiatives and uh, staff time behind it to make sure there's always new developments happening on those levels. So uh, looking forward on another good year and uh, hoping to hear from all members and delegates uh, on how we can work with you and uh, see that we can make the organization even better moving forward. We were fortunate to have Premier Doug Ford and Ernie Hardiman, the Minister of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, join our online meeting and, and give an address. Um, their presence, what does that say about our relationship with the Ontario government? Well. Uh, we know since uh, about two years when, oh, actually now it's now nearly three years when uh, the Conservative Party was uh, elected to power, that we needed to do a little bit of work to build a good relationship with the Premier, with, um, in a, with the Minister of Agriculture. So Premier Ford, first of all, um, has been always a great advocate for the grain and oilseed sector. And uh, as our asks, came forward to him around the, uh, the BRM dis uh, discussion. Uh, there are certainly also the RMP discussion that needed to happen because uh, uh, the uh, provincial government during the election timeframe, the uh, conservatives had promised a $50 million top up to the RMP. We created that, um, the, that good relationship with the premier he brought it home to us. He basically said, I'm there for you. We're going to invest the money. And we do actually now have a program that's topped up by $50 million. And of course, um, uh, Minister Ardeman is an advocate on the agriculture file. 
And I'm also thanking him of uh, basically stepping up and uh, bringing this forward. But um, we do have to say at the uh, end of all this, there's still many more things that we have to work on. And that uh, good relationship with the partners have to has to remain solid because uh, the next steps are critical in the future of the grain and oilseed sector. So um, I'm hoping that uh, Premier Ford and myself as the chair of Grain Forest and of Ontario can continue having those conversations that actually result in positives. Now, I do want to step back just briefly. And um, during, his the, during the address of the Premier, he also has committed the amount of dollars that are needed for uh, uh, agri-stability program at 85 percent uh, without reference margin limiting and uh, those are roughly about 40 million dollars on top of the 150 from the RMP already so Ontario is already doing its share for getting the um, the cost share program for the agri stability put in place in Ontario so we're just hoping that, that during the FPT meeting that's coming up in now in November which has been delayed uh, that there's actually going to be action taken from the federal government to address the federal provincial BRM discussion that we've been working towards since many years to get actually uh, documents signed, not just have dialogue, but I think there has to be a real set uh, decision-making process put in place for that time frame that we're not going to chase that one for years to come still. Now, there's a couple of um, things that you've mentioned that I want to pick up on. Um, the first one is business risk management. And we've started a new joint campaign with uh, Quebec Grain Growers and Atlantic Grains Council. Can you tell us a little bit about what that new joint campaign involves? Yes. So um, we've been running now a campaign uh, for the last uh, five months in Ontario and uh, We've been uh, basically saying to the federal government, uh, you need to step up and address the issue. And uh, what we're doing, we're putting comparables into our campaign to making sure that the understanding of the need is actually there. So we partner now with Quebec and the Maritimes to drive this uh, message forward in, uh, first of all, on the eastern part of Canada and getting this to be a higher urgent uh, issue than just Ontario itself. As the COVID crisis has evolved, it certainly has shown to us that eastern Canada has been impacted more than other parts of the country because um, the ethanol industry basically came to uh, well, you can say basically to a stall. It um, it, it took some time to get back to production. It had impacted farmers, not just on not being able to ship grain, but also having not the revenue come in to pay the bills for the spring planting, for the expenses that they have. So how is this going to work out at the end of the year for the farmers? Well, they're going to be struggling on having enough cash flow to uh, to cover their um, 
their commitments that they have with the lenders and with the uh, the input suppliers. So uh, that's why the urgency for BRM review or BRM um, uh, money that, that's allocated by provincial and federal uh, governments becomes more and more urgent because there is going to be a need if prices and if our marketplace doesn't uh, improve by a significant amount. Yes, we can say prices have recouped a little bit, but uh, now the last couple of days I've seen more red numbers on the markets than uh, than green. Of course, we're going back down and not everybody had the opportunity to sell into a higher market because we already had commitments from prior. So this comes uh, becomes a, a very um, important discussion that the uh, the provincial governments in Ontario, Quebec and Maritimes are very supportive. And uh, that's why we're launching it into a fashion of a combined effort that it's actually showing unity, that it's showing that it's a force and it's not just one part of the, the country that's actually needing this. Now, the other item I wanted to touch on was the clean fuel standard. You mentioned that that was a topic of discussion during the new business portion of the AGM and uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario has released a press release recently um, opposing some of the criteria within that clean fuel standard. Can you tell us a little bit about what our opposition is and, and what Grain Farmers of Ontario is doing um, to let the federal government know why we're concerned? Yes. So the, uh, the, the clean fuel standard has been in uh, a discussion point since a long time. And I have to say it's never been a negative discussion for uh, up to today because uh, we can say we've as farmers as an industry we've been supportive of a clean fuel standard that uh, brought us a lot of good things like uh, an ethanol industry a biofuel industry in ontario where we have um, basically manufacturing of the biofuels now with the new proposed regulation that's where we're going down a different road, there seems to be parts in that regulation that are very critical that we need uh, change done to them. Because when we talk about land use, uh, why should we as farmers that have been putting good environmental initiatives in place on our farms, be basically told all of a sudden, well, what you have done is not good enough anymore. Now we're going to restrict land use that is going to be able to ship uh, or sell grain that's being produced on those acres to the biofuel market as a feedstock. Well, I think we as farmers have reduced our carbon emissions significantly. We're reducing the amount of fertilizer we put on our farms. We're reducing the amount of tillage we're doing. We're uh, doing no-till practices. We're doing... Uh, environmental layaway areas uh, where sensitive areas are. We're introducing 4R initiatives as well. So why are we all of a sudden not sustainable enough anymore to, to, to be basically conforming to the ask? So the land use is very urgent to be addressed because farmers in Ontario have been improving their farm base. And when we talk about uh, uh, 0.5 of a hectare 
of land clearing, that doesn't mean that you're only cutting down bush. It could be also a fence line that you have removed. It could be uh, just squaring off a field. And all of a sudden, your whole farm entity is deemed that you're not allowed to sell into the biofuel market anymore. It becomes unlogical. It's not science-based. I think there needs to be a, a real look at why they're actually proposing something like that. So we need to make sure that we're at the table presenting our facts, making sure they understand at the end when the bureaucrats design a regulation that it's actually based on structure, on science, and it, it, it basically brings us not into an environment where we are basically now going to have to fight for our livelihood. Because this can have a significant impact to the farmer because there can be imports coming into the country that might be offsetting our domestic production and shifting it into a different marketplace. So those are all things we all need to consider and look at, which are very important for our grain and oilseed sector in Ontario. Well, thank you, Marcus, very much for explaining these important government relations files to us. We'll look forward to uh, touching base again on current developments and, and what's been happening with the government. We appreciate your time today. You're more than welcome. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Nicole McKellar and Marcus Hurl. And if you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.